And hello, welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR number 71. Today we are talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep, that team in the NFC East that somehow manages to give me a reason to get out of bed in the morning and make me want to kill myself each and every football season. Uh, we started our NFC East series yesterday on the returning champion or defending champion Dallas Cowboys. Now we're diving into the Eagles, uh, the team that ended up uh, you know, surprising a lot of people last year, uh, finished 9-8, and eight, second in the NFC East, managed to grab that seventh seed in the NFC. After you know having um, really an entire offseason of just doubters and haters, including myself, I was not high on this team. I was telling people this time last year we are going into a five-year rebuild. Not happy about how the Wentz situation ended. It's not that I was a Jalen Hurts hater or doubter. I think Hurts is a pretty solid quarterback, and we'll talk about him more in this episode. But I was in a pretty rough spot the last two years or so with this franchise. You know, you win a Super Bowl in 2017, and five years later, your franchise quarterback and your head coach are both gone. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, I actually changed my Twitter handle to at FireHowie for like two years because I wanted Howie Roseman hung publicly and reprimanded for his actions in tearing apart a Super Bowl uh, roster here in Philadelphia. That being said, Howie has bounced back tremendously over the last year and a half or so. I really like how we've been drafting lately. We had a great offseason this year, and I'm actually back to being excited to talk about this Eagles team. I mentioned on the Cowboys episode, I like this team to win the division this year, and, you know, let's just, let's get into the reasons why. So, I mentioned last year, 9-8. and eight. It was their first year with new head coach Nick Sirianni. It was the first full season with Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, coming into the season as the starter, the unquestioned starter and leader of this offense. And uh, like I said, they exceeded expectations, started out slow, um, started the season three and six last year. It was so bad that uh, people, you know, fans in the Eagles stadium were throwing bouquets of flowers at Nick Sirianni after our Chargers loss uh, to kind of, uh, you know, make fun of him and his analogy for how we were planting roots and fertilizing and trying, you know, it's a metaphor for growing as a team. And that hostile Philadelphia fan base just really was not having it uh, halfway through the season when we were three and six. Uh, but we then went on a six and one run, uh, finishing the season six and two. We rested our starters uh, week 18 um, against the Cowboys in a game that didn't matter. Uh, so went on a six and one run to turn things around, grab that seventh seed, like I said. You guys will notice already the amount of times I'm saying we when I refer to the Eagles. Like, I'm sorry, but that's I can't help it. That's how I talk about them. Um, so the offense was 12th in points per game last year at 26.1, uh, 14th in yards per game at 359.9. It uh, started out really pass-heavy early in the season, uh, quickly realized that we have a really good O-line and terrible receivers, so shifted into that run-first um, offense, led the league in rushing yards last year, um, backfield by committee, and that was kind of the identity of the offense. The Really, the strength of this football team in general is the offensive line, and it, is, it essentially has been for the last 20 years or so. Eagles have had very consistent offensive line play. They've really, Howie Roseman has really always believed in investing in that O-line. And I think it makes up for some of the lack of uh, skill position, you know, weapons that we've had in this offense the last few years. So as you guys can tell, I could talk about the Eagles for three straight hours right now. I'll try not to get too far down the rabbit hole. Their defense was a top 10 unit in yards per game, finishing 10th 
um, at 328.8, and they were 18th in allowing points per game at 22.6. Turnover margin, dead even, zero plus or minus, tied for 16th in the league. The coaching staff is all returning. I mentioned Nick Sirianni was in his first year last year. I didn't really have much enthusiasm or high expectations for it, but I really like the guy. The locker room seems to like him. He gels well with the players. He's got a lot of energy. Actually, yesterday on NFL Network, they were showing 2021 season highlights for each team, and I I tuned in. I watched the Eagles one, and one of my big takeaways was, man, like he getting able to hear Nick Sirianni mic'd up on the sidelines during those games, he does bring a lot of energy to that team, that sideline. He's a young guy, um, and you know we've seen this trend of kind of young, uh, more energetic, more innervated offensive minds as head coaches, and it seems like the Eagles have found a good one, kind of you know a guy that really was not on the coaching radar for many teams last year. Let's get into the personnel. They had a really good offseason, like I said. A couple of uh, losses. One in particular here I was not too happy about. He's getting a little bit older, but I think he's still got a lot left in the tank. Safety Rodney McLeod, uh, who was really one of the um, more vocal leaders on this defense over the last five years or so. Him and uh, Malcolm Jenkins really made a great safety tandem. He's uh, He's with the Indianapolis Indianapolis Colts now, if I can uh, talk today. Cornerback Steven Nelson left as well. He was a starter in the secondary, but we upgraded at his position. Uh, defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway was a rotational guy, um, you know, third or fourth defensive tackle, not a big deal. Linebacker Alex Singleton played a lot of snaps over the last few years, but is a very mediocre player. He's gone. Defensive end um, Jannard Avery left as well these most of these guys are role players so i wouldn't be surprised if you haven't heard anyone really outside of mcleod and nelson uh lastly running back um jordan howard was on this team uh really vulturing a lot of touchdowns you know we'll talk about miles sanders later but miles sanders didn't score a touchdown last year for this team he was technically a starting running back because around the goal line we were using jordan howard a lot he's no longer on the roster so it's something to be aware of as far as the key additions we had a very good offseason, like I said, guys, between a few of the names I'm about to mention here and then the draft, really like what this team did. So uh, A.J. Brown, biggest name that we picked up this offseason. It was a trade, not a free agency splash. Um, what we did was we traded for him in the middle of the draft. It was something that nobody really saw coming. It was pretty wild. The first round of the draft was crazy. Uh, the Eagles at one point had three first-round picks, traded one away to New Orleans, Um, and then traded one away to Tennessee for A.J. Brown. So that trade was our 2022 first-round pick, 18th pick overall, and a third-round pick in this uh, last draft, uh, pick 101 overall. And uh, we got A.J. for it straight up. So that was cool. Um, I will mention that first-round pick belonged to the Colts because they traded it to us for Carson Wentz. And that third-round pick uh, came from Dallas. So free money. Uh, Thanks for A.J. Brown to those two teams. Um, Aside from adding, you know, an elite weapon on the offense there with A.J. Brown, uh, our biggest free agency signing was outside linebacker Hassan Reddick from the Panthers. He got drafted by the Cardinals a few years ago, um, played out his rookie deal, signed, I think, a one year with the Panthers. He's had a really productive last two seasons. In his contract year with the Cardinals, he had double-digit sacks. He did it again last year in Carolina. And he's from uh, University of Temple is where he played college football. So uh, we kind of got that home hometown discount. Um, I think he wanted to come back and play in Philly, which is really cool. I like when guys do that. 
Uh, it means he should be a team player and a good locker room guy, you would think. And he's kind of a versatile guy, almost like a positionless linebacker where he does a little bit of coverage. Uh, he can play the run. He's really mostly a pass rusher, but he, st- he plays out in space more than your typical like 3-4 edge linebacker. Um, he's kind of a hybrid guy, and I think we're going to use him kind of as a hybrid player, like we're going to move him around a lot. I think he'll be, he'll have his hand in the dirt. Sometimes he'll be standing up sometimes. I mean, traditionally, you know, we run a four man front and he doesn't really, he's really more of kind of a three, four guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how we use him in this defense. At first I was like, I don't know if that really makes sense because again, kind of a positionless guy, maybe better in a three, four. But I think it gives us the ability to just kind of move him around and do weird shit with him. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like, but I can't necessarily forecast it. I will say it definitely helps the pass rush overall, and we need a linebacker help worse than any team in the league. So I was really happy about that. Cornerback James Bradbury. Uh, another key addition here is securing that cornerback two spot. The Giants cut him um, just, what, like two months ago or so as a cap casualty. This was like a very late in the offseason um, not the first round of free agency, but once he, there was, you know, rumors for a few, maybe a month or so that the giants were going to try and trade him. And everybody else was like, well, we're not going to trade him. We're just going to wait until you cut him so we can sign him for free. So Philly picked him up on a one year, $10 million deal. And I love that signing. I mean, it looks as though, you know, with AJ Brown, with Hassan Reddick and with some of the draft picks, it looks like we're trying to go all in a little bit this year. And Bradbury was kind of one of those missing pieces uh, you know, Bradbury getting that corner too. And then also we still kind of need another safety in my opinion. Um, I might as well throw this in there. We're the favorite right now to trade for Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates, the all pro safety from the Bengals last year. He's got a lot of trade rumors floating around going into the last year of his rookie deal. Bengals might not pay him because they have a lot of expensive contracts coming up on the offensive side of the ball. And the Eagles are currently the front runner on a majority of sports books to land Jesse Bates. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Cause like I said, that's the one position we still really, really need here is a free safety. Um, we signed uh, Jaquiski Tart in free agency as well, who's going to be starting at strong safety for us. He played for the 49ers recently, and I like that as, um, you know, we really needed two safeties and a corner this offseason. We got one corner with Bradbury. We got one safety with Tart. We didn't draft a safety. I would like to get Bates, but right now Anthony Harris is the starter at free safety. Um, lastly, two more additions on this team. Uh, I said we needed linebacker help. Kaiser White is an interesting guy. Had a really good season last year in his final year of his rookie deal with the Los Angeles Chargers. He played at West Virginia. He's Kevin White's brother. Um, if you guys remember uh, the uh, Chicago Bears, former seventh overall pick who busted in, I believe, 2014. Um, Kaiser White's a guy with a lot of speed, can really help us at least with depth and challenge for some playing time at the linebacker position. And we brought over wide receiver Zach Paschal as well. Really, before A.J. Brown, the only receiver on this team was Devontae Smith. Jalen Rager sucks. Um, who was our uh, Quez Watkins is a decent like deep threat, but he's kind of one dimensional. He's not necessarily polished. Maybe not the best route runner. Pretty skinny. Like 
between Smith and Watkins, that's a very small, it's a fast, but it's a very small duo. Um, Pascal's bigger. AJ Brown is a monster. So getting a little bit more versatile skill set, a little bit more physicality in that receiver room. And Pascal's a guy that was in Sirianni's system in Indianapolis. So he should be familiar. Um, possibly that third receiver, you know, he's going to compete with, with Quez Watkins really is that third receiver role. Uh, we did a couple, you know, re-signings, pretty key guys here. Fletcher Cox came back on a one-year deal. Oh gosh, what is he in like year 12 of his, I think he was drafted in 09. So it makes sense. You know, he's coming towards the end of his time in Philly, towards the end of his time in his career. Um, but he's back on a one-year deal. I'd like to see him retire in Eagle, but realistically, financially, it's not really something that we do. Even Brian Dawkins played two seasons in Denver, and he's arguably, maybe not even arguably, the greatest Eagle of all time. Shout out Weapon X, Brian Dawkins. And so Fletcher Cox, we bring him back on a one-year. I think it's awesome because when we talk about Jordan Davis in our draft, recap I love having Cox in the room with him we'll talk more about him also on the defensive line Derek Barnett came back I believe on a one-year deal former first round pick underwhelmed um, in his rookie deal but we, you know we're keeping him around because he's a rotational pass rusher and we like to stack guys on that D-line um, safety Anthony Harris I mentioned him he resigned and running back Boston Scott also resigned with the team he's been actually a decent backup in the times uh, that Miles Sanders has missed action over the last few years Water break. So let's talk about the draft. I loved our draft. Fucking loved it. We're only going to talk about three picks. Um, we entered this draft, I think, with like the most draft capital in the NFL, and then we ended up trading half of it away. But I love it. I think I mentioned on the Miami Dolphins episode when I was talking about the picks given up for Tyreek Hill. Fuck them picks, right? Who cares? Like, give me AJ Brown instead of like what that third round pick might turn into. So, and also like we traded, we trade away that pick 18 for AJ, but you know, the Titans just use that pick to draft Traylon Burks, hoping he turns into AJ Brown. We just get AJ Brown. Love it. AJ is also, he was already one of my favorite receivers in the league. I literally have an AJ Brown Titans jersey hanging up in my living room because I've had him in fantasy football for every year of his career. I've had him all three years so far on my teams. Might just have to make it four in a row. And um, he's won me fantasy championships. Uh, even as a rookie coming on off the waiver wire, I got him, made him my second year keeper. You know, I really like the guy. I've liked, I, the Titans are a team I've really enjoyed watching with Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. They're two of my favorite players. Uh, on the field and from a personality standpoint and I'm psyched that we got him as you guys can tell um, but I mentioned that because we're back to the draft recap and it's part of like the trading and our first round picks so I wanted to touch on it again it's awesome that he's an eagle I couldn't imagine it I didn't think he'd get traded from the Titans we heard a lot of there's been a lot of crazy trades and you know it was actually that trade went on when like the Debo Samuel rumors were at their absolute hype and it looked like Debo might have been the more likely guy to get moved now, I've stood firm that Debo will not get moved. There's no way Shanahan lets that guy go. Uh, you can actually see I've tweeted about it, posted on it on the Instagram account as well, at SGRPod. But uh, AJ, that one kind of shocked me, but it was also fucking awesome because he's an eagle now. So back to the draft. Our first round, we initially had three picks. We ended up only making one because we manufactured a lot of trades. The pick was Jordan Davis, and we actually did have to move up a little bit to get him. Our pick initially was at uh, pick 15 overall, um, but we traded up to the 14th overall, or excuse me, 13th overall pick ahead of the Ravens. 
because there was a lot of rumors that the Ravens would like Jordan Davis as well. If you think about it, he goes to Baltimore and gets in that room with Calais Campbell, just like I'm talking about, pairing him with Fletcher Cox in that defensive line room. I think a guy like Davis... Um, is going to benefit a lot from having a veteran to kind of take under his wing, at least for the, this initial year, like Fletcher Cox doesn't have to be his fucking babysitter, you know, but if he can just show him how to be a professional, how the day in day out, this is how you operate as an NFL player. Jordan Davis is a guy with all the athletic upside in the world, possibly the, um, most physically talented freak specimen to come out of the combine at the defensive tackle position ever the guy is six foot six uh officially weighed in at the combine at 341 and ran a 47840 he was the defensive tackle from the national championship georgia bulldogs a big part of why that defense was so dominant and like i said physically a freak The thing is, the guy hovers between 340 and 360. There's been some concerns of taking plays off, maybe conditioning, maybe effort. I trust the guy. I think he's a stud. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. Let's be bold in this episode. Put the gold jacket on Jordan Davis before the preseason even starts. Um, but like I said, I think being in that room with Fletch, also Javon Hargrave is in there. Milton Williams is a rotational pass rusher we can put in the middle. Realistically, Jordan Davis doesn't even have to be the third best defensive tackle on this team this year, uh, because we're so deep at that position and he's just got to work on, you know, becoming a professional here. And he added on the field snaps this year is great. But he's kind of got almost a red shirt year. Now, look, we're going to put this guy on the field. But what I'm saying is with the luxury that we have with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, arguably the best interior pass rushing duo in the NFL, um, Davis doesn't have to be a Pro Bowl player in his rookie year to make an impact on this D-line. He can be a rotational guy. In 2017, when we won the Super Bowl, that was how we did it on the defense. We had eight strong on that D-line, and we were getting pressure on people, and that's what we're going to try and do this year. So the Jordan Davis uh, trade, we had to send um, Houston a fourth and two-sixths just to move up two spots in the first round. Again, back to the fuck the picks thing. A few years ago, I might have been upset that we had to give away three late rounders for two draft spots. I'm not upset at all because, you know, looking back four years, if in four years Jordan Davis gets, if he gets drafted there to the Ravens one pick ahead of us and we don't trade up and he's the best defensive tackle in the league and we end up with whoever the fuck else we end up with, I'm going to be pissed off. I would rather have that peace of mind. I would rather say, you know what? We probably weren't going to draft anyone good in the sixth round anyways. Give me the potential Hall of Famer. So I love that. Love Jordan Davis. Let's move on because we're talking about him so fucking much. Look at the guy, though. Like, go watch him on YouTube. Go just look at pictures of how fucking big this guy is. It's astounding. Uh, Cam Jurgens was our second-round pick. And look, like, there was one center that I was balls deep. Give me this guy in this draft. And his name was Tyler Linderbaum. He was the only center drafted in the first round uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, let's be bold here again. That's another Hall of Famer. Uh, put the gold jacket on Tyler Linderbaum right now. Um, the Ravens know how to draft. I wanted him for the Eagles. Again, me thinking that we have two or three first-round picks. I'm okay burning one on a center. Even if he doesn't play this year, uh, Jason Kelsey, this is probably Jason Kelsey's last year in the NFL. Kills me to say it. 
he is my favorite current Eagle, probably my second favorite Eagle ever besides Brian Dawkins. And he's going to retire soon. And I guess he had a lot of input as to like, you guys should draft Cam Jurgens. I like his film. I like this kid. He's kind of going to groom Jurgens up. And probably next year, Jurgens will be ready to be the starter for the Eagles. Second round pick out of Nebraska. He's a real mean son of a bitch. If Tyler Linderbaum wasn't in this draft class, Cam Jurgens, obviously, since he was the second guy, he would be the first. You can say that about anything. But Linderbaum, literally Hall of Fame talent. Cam Jurgens in any other draft would have been the top center. I love the pick. Um, investing in the future, keeping that offensive line strong is the identity of this team. Round three. Okay, so let's go back to Jurgens for a second. I like the pick in hindsight. At the time, I was pissed off because Nicobe Dean, the linebacker from University of Georgia, who was projected like a top 30 pick, was still sitting there at our pick at 52 in the second round. And I'm like, what the fuck? How did we pass on Nicobe Dean? We need linebackers worse than any team in the league. Draft the All-American from the national champions. What are we doing? Nicobe Dean fell pretty goddamn far in this draft. Um, really, a lot of people scratching their heads over it. I mean, he's undersized. He's had some medical concerns with the knee, so that's the thinking. But this guy can fly sideline to sideline. I love watching his film. I think he's got all the intangibles. I think he's an absolute dog and can be a leader for that defense. And we ended up snagging him in the third round. I wanted to take him in the second, maybe even trade up back into the first to get him. We got him all the way at pick like 83 in the third round. I've never been happier for a player to fall to the Eagles in a draft, maybe in my entire life. It was awesome. So I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but I love the draft, and I really think the Eagles hit a home run here with those first three picks. We got some other guys later in the draft. We always sign a bunch of UDFAs, but that's enough of this. That was really the personnel breakdown. And while I am 20 minutes into this episode, I think I'm limiting myself pretty well because, uh, you know, they really, it's not a lot of names. I'm going pretty in depth on them. They weren't overly active as far as shotgun approach, spray and pray, let's sign 40 fucking guys this offseason, like certain teams Jacksonville has done. But they made some big impact moves. This was already a playoff team last year, and every single position of weakness when I talk about uh, securing an elite wide receiver to pair with Devontae Smith and help your developing quarterback, grabbing a second corner uh, to pair opposite Darius Slay, investing in the safety position to upgrade that as well, grabbing Jaquiski Tart. Um, and then, you know, securing that D-line with Fletcher Cox and investing in the future in the trenches with Jared Davis and Cam Jurgens, and boosting the linebacker room overall with Kaiser White and Nicobe Dean. I think every, every major hole that we had, we addressed this offseason, and that's really all you want to see. Um, I know I'm saying a lot of optimistic stuff. You know, this team has flaws. They're not perfect. It could not work out, but really... I, I really see this team, and we'll talk about the schedule, I guess, right now. This is, a good, uh, this is a good segue. But this team has an easy schedule, and I think their roster is really good. I guess, you know, the, the thing holding people back from really going all in on this team is Jalen Hurts. We just haven't seen him play at an elite level. He took, um, you know, steps of improvement last year in his second year, first full year as a starter, but he wasn't a superstar. So I guess people are questioning if this team can really take it to a high level in terms of winning and consistency and even dominating teams, which again, I think they have the roster to do it this year. Um, I believe in Hertz as a starting quarterback. 
I believe in Hertz as uh, probably like a top 20 QB in the league. I think he has upside to, to raise his level higher than that, but I'm not ready to, you know, Hertz, he has a similar to skill set to guys like Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, potentially, but it's just that those guys are better at everything. Like, it's like he doesn't have the arm talent that those guys have. He's not quite as fast. You know, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, like all these mobile quarterbacks, people want to talk about how Hertz could rush for a thousand yards. I really don't see it. He's more like that six, seven, eight hundred yard rusher, and he's going to. His deep balls aren't the best, pretty inaccurate with deep balls last year. If he can, you know, hone in on that deep ball efficiency a little bit more, hit some more of those field stretchers and make it so we don't have to fucking crawl our way down the field and matriculate the offense on every drive. If we can get a little bit more explosion, which a guy like A.J. Brown should help this offense do, um, I think it makes things easier on Hurts. I, I really... I feel more comfortable with him coming into this year after seeing what he was able to do last year. I don't think that he comes into the season the same player as last year. I think he will take another step forward. It's just a matter of how big of a step, you know. I don't think we're going to see that Lamar Jackson breakout where he's breaking fantasy football and he's the clear-cut MVP and potential face of the league. But I also think that people need to stop doubting like I've seen enough to expect Hertz to be the quarterback for this team for the next five years or so personally and yeah that can change in a heartbeat just ask Carson Wentz but I like him I'm optimistic that this team can take another step forward they won nine games last year and they have the second easiest strength of schedule this season according to sources uh let's read it off real quick and you guys will quickly realize what i'm talking about here they start the season with a potential to go four and oh lions vikings commanders jaguars not too tough in the first month there we got cardinals cowboys then a bye week steelers texans commanders colts packers titans giants bears cowboys saints giants so yeah, we're in an easy division relatively when you say we get to play the Commanders and Giants twice, you know, that's four games of our, our schedule. And then Dallas, yeah, they're a playoff team last year, but they're not out of our league. I really think that we're better this year. So let's break it down a little bit more. I mean, some real fucking easy wins there. Giants, Giants, Bears, uh, Texans, Jags, uh, Lions. You know, we don't know what the Steelers look like this year. The Commanders, I think, Definitely think we're better. We'll see if Carson Wentz gives them legitimate quarterback play to make them competitive, but they're just such a dysfunctional dysfunctional organization that I don't really care who they have on the field. I really don't care who they have on the field. Like That team's just not going to win consistently. They'll figure out something to go wrong, whether it's the fucking sewage drains bursting in the stadium or they're fucking owner being indicted on you know sexual assault charges and then you know taking his private plane to paris the day of the hearing so he doesn't have to answer their questions what else have they been up to they were always up to some sketchy shit over there in washington plus from a marketing standpoint jesus christ um speaking of the commanders uh wentz makes his return to philly uh what is it week 10 so we'll pay attention to that. We get a game against the Commanders week three uh, in Washington. So it won't be the first time Wentz is playing against us. But he comes back to Philly, and that should be oof, interesting. 
Let's hope that one's nationally televised for sure. So again, back to the schedule. Lions, Vikings, Commanders, Jags should be off to a hot start. Cardinals, Cowboys, Steelers, a little bit interesting there. Then we got Texans, Commanders, so the Texans should be easy. The, the most interesting stretch here is Colts, Packers, Titans. That's interesting. Um, we get two out of the three at home, which is good. Uh, but those are three quality teams. I don't know if the Titans are as good this year as they were last year. Uh, I like the Colts a lot, and the Packers are the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. So overall... Again, second easiest schedule, a lot of easy wins, pretty easy division, playing a lot of teams that finished last place last year, get to play the AFC South. What more do you want, really? Um, the Bears are going to be dog shit also. Like, I might bet on the Bears to win the least amount of games this year, just a little tease. So the Eagles' odds, uh, their win total is 9.5. Give me the over. I told you guys yesterday, Dallas isn't winning 11 games, and the Eagles are going to win this division. Give me the over at nine and a half. I just rattled off the schedule. I mean, when you when you play the Bears two games against the Giants, two games against the Commanders, the Texans, the Jags, the Lions, uh, we're going to find 10 wins there. Um, another indication. So, look, guys, I know I'm, uh, you know, you're going to say you're an Eagles fan. Of course, you like this team. <clears throat> I got some numbers here for you to prove that I'm on the right track here. Um, I actually bet this team to win the division the first week of May, right after the NFL draft. I grabbed them at plus 275 to win this division when Dallas was at like a minus 150 favorite. Um, as of the time that I put my notes down for this episode about two weeks ago, July 9th, the Eagles were plus 200 to win their division. However, as of time of recording... July 25th, they're now plus 185. So those odds have shifted 15 points just over the last two weeks, and they have shifted 90 points this summer. Going back to May 3rd, they were plus 275. They're now plus 185 to win that division. So there is sharp money in the market coming in on the Eagles to win the NFC East, and I'm on it too. Their odds for the playoffs also shifted dramatically. Earlier in the offseason, actually not earlier, just two weeks ago, like I mentioned, July 9th, their odds to make the playoffs were minus 155. They currently sit at minus 190 on July 25th. Give me the birds. I like this team a lot. Look, there's a lot of good teams in the NFL right now, but there's also some very interesting teams that have gone all in this offseason. Um, off the top of my head, I guess first four, no particular order. Eagles, Dolphins, Chargers, Raiders have all just fucking loaded up this offseason. And they're also kind of three teams that for the most part, have been kind of stuck in purgatory lately. The Eagles snuck in a Super Bowl in 2017, but really, since Andy Reid left, we haven't had much of a consistent identity, I would say. And, you know, the Raiders and the Chargers, uh, both talented teams last year trying to get over the hump. The Miami Dolphins seem to be trying to win for the first time in the last 30 years, so good for them. But I'm just saying the Eagles stick out to me as one of those teams that really loaded up this offseason, and they're getting a lot of respect in the betting markets as you look at the odds shifting for them to win their division and make the playoffs here. We'll wrap it up with the gambling talk for the Eagles because I've pretty much endorsed every single one of their seasonal futures. We've got two more to cover here. They're plus 1,400 for the conference, and they're plus 3,000 for the Super Bowl, 30-1. to 1. 
honestly, I'm t I'm trying to talk myself into betting uh, one of these. Like, I'll grab a 30-1 to 1 for the Super Bowl, and I know what you're saying. The Eagles aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. Probably not. But as far as a team that can make the playoffs and go on a run, as far as a team that's built with a defense and run game philosophy first, but also has a young mobile quarterback who can extend plays, an elite wide receiver one in A.J. Brown, and the 2019 Heisman winner in Devontae Smith. I mean, we got a lot of talent. Also, Sharp Football has us ranked the second offensive line in the NFL this year. I'm calling bullshit. We're the best offensive line, but they have the Cleveland Browns ranked ahead currently. Not sure I get it. We're fucking loaded on the O-line. But I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of pieces here that are adding up. Uh, if you take a look, you know, a couple of teams in the NFC maybe take a step back. I mean, no Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Can the Rams repeat their success? Tom Brady's going to be without Chris Godwin and, and no Antonio Brown and no Ronald Jones. And, you know, some of the weapons might not be there. No Gronk. There's potential for this Eagles team to kind of really accelerate themselves into, like, the top three or four teams in the NFC. And then anything can happen. We'll see, guys. Maybe we fucking suck this year, but I really like it. I'm really excited about it, if you guys can't tell. I mentioned the offensive line, and we're about to dive into the fantasy, guys. But again, shout out to the Eagles O-line. They have the best offensive line coach in the league in Jeff Stoutland, and he's been able to really develop, guys. The starting line, left tackle Jordan Mailata is about to be an all-pro this year. He should have been a pro bowler last year. It's only his third full year in the NFL, I believe. Seventh round pick drafted out of the Australian Rugby League. Never played a snap of professional football, and he's about to be an all-pro left tackle. Young, monster, like six foot eight, 340 pounds. Like, look up the highlights of this dude playing rugby on YouTube and thank me later because he runs people the fuck over. It's freakish the amount of athleticism and open field mobility and agility this guy has as a 340 pound man go look up jordan mylotta he's the future he's a future um elite elite left tackle in the nfl to pair with him we have the best rate tackle in the nfl for the last decade that everybody seems to forget about when they're talking about elite tackles that's lane johnson lane johnson not only the best right tackle in the league Top three offensive tackle in the league over the last 10 years. I get it. Trent Williams is up there. Jason Peters in his prime was up there. There's some other guys. David Bakhtiari in Green Bay, very good. I'm going to forget names, obviously, but Lane Johnson shuts people the fuck down. Lane Johnson has been through a stretch of blocking guys like, you know, in their primes, Von Miller, J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, and just giving up nothing. He's so fucking good. Um, to wrap up the offensive line shit, left guard Landon Dickerson, second round pick out of Alabama last year, real road grader, mean son of a bitch, big physical run blocking offensive guard coming into his second year, first year as a full-time starter, played very well as a rookie in limited time last year. Um, all pro center, future hall of famer, Jason Kelsey, second greatest Eagle of all time, still holding down that captain's chair at center. And then our right guard, Isaac Samalu, who none of you have heard of is a pretty quality starter as well, but on the Eagles since. 2016 as a third round pick played uh both guard spots and center for us over the last six years and i feel very confident if isaac sayamalu is the worst offensive lineman in your starting five you have an elite 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 group i love the offensive line and i love talking about it 
Let's get into the fantasy breakdown for you guys. I know that's the juicy stuff that you've been waiting for here. Um, now, I'm really high on this team to win games. Fantasy is a lot more difficult to break down. Uh, not a hot take here, but Jalen Hurts is easily the most valuable fantasy piece in this offense. Uh, he's currently being drafted 63rd overall as the quarterback seven. And that's because he returned such an excellent value on investment last year. He was being drafted like 9th, 10th, 11th round of your drafts last year as the overall player 96. Uh, quarterback 12 off the board. Finished quarterback 9, only played 15 games during the fantasy season. Finished 6 in points per game, which is what you really want to know. Lastly, the Eagles have the third easiest fantasy football schedule to give up points to the quarterback position. Third easiest schedule for Jalen Hurts for fantasy this year. He's only going to get better this year. He's only got an added elite wide receiver one. Um, I really think that this guy can repeat as a top five fantasy quarterback. I mean, I know finished ninth, six in points per game. He's going top five this year. I think his draft cost is fair. I mean, you can still get him like sixth. Maybe if he, if he falls into the seventh round of your draft, like, that's pretty much like seventh round is the it's still earlier than I like to take a QB, but I think if you can get a guy as safe as Hertz with as high as upside, I'm trying to kind of talk myself into pulling the trigger if I if I have a shot in that late sixth seventh round. I I like him a lot. Um, he's definitely going to be the focal point of this offense. And one thing that I'll talk about with Hertz that transitions into the conversation about Miles Sanders, the starting running back, is that Hertz does so much on the ground and gets so many um, carries inside the five-yard line with our read options that Hertz vultures a lot of touchdowns from our running backs. Hertz had 10 rushing touchdowns last year. So it limits the upside for our running backs in a sense of touchdown ability, but it gives Hertz... I mean, if you're telling me that a quarterback's going to throw for roughly, you know, let's put it, I mean, between 3,600 and 4,000, he's not a high volume passer, but with the added arsenal, you know, at the re the re receivers and, uh, you know, a second year in the system here, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this guy throws for 4,000, rushes for 850, and gives you another eight rushing touchdowns on top of it. It's really not not that far out of reach. Um, so I love Hertz for fantasy. Last year, uh, he finished a top six quarterback, 46.7% of his starts. It was uh, tied for fourth most consistent in fantasy football. He also finished a top 12 quarterback, 73.3% of the time. That was the number one most consistent top 12 quarterback in fantasy football. On top of that, like I said, all the improved situational uh, traits here and the third easiest fantasy schedule for QBs this year. I love Hurts. I love him. Um, busted, uh, well, finished 13 through 24 on the week at the quarterback position, 13.3% of the time. Busted out of the top 25, 13.3% of the time. Uh, so that's four games out of his 15 on the season. He did not return top 12, ta uh, you know, production. <laughs> uh, missing that word there. Uh, yeah, so I talked about Miles Sanders. You know, his upside is a little bit limited because um, Hertz is going to steal half his touchdowns. And Miles Sanders somehow last year did not have a rushing touchdown the entire season. He missed some time. Uh, he played 12 games total. This guy, I will tell you about Miles Sanders. He gets shit on so often because um, he has underwhelmed fantasy players basically every year of his career. 
Um, people keep taking the shot on him to break out and he keeps having like injury problems or he doesn't return on his, like I said, you know, touchdown efficiency, zero touchdowns last year, uh, with the amount of carries that he was getting is almost, um, you know, a mathematical anomaly, but it happened. Um, hopefully that regression balances out a little bit this year and he does get into the end zone. Like I said, Jordan Howard, not on this roster anymore to steal those carries. Um, you just worry about Hertz maybe stealing them. I'm not really worried about Gainwell and Boston Scott vulturing too many goal line touches. Um, maybe in the passing work, Kenny Gainwell gets an expanded role. Uh, he's a second year running back um, that we drafted in the fifth round last year out of Memphis. And he really is more of a pass catching back. Boston Scott just kind of, I mean, he's a fine player. He doesn't do anything super special. He's not going to challenge for touches, I don't think, but he's, he's a high-quality backup, good guy to have in the, in the room, versatile skill set. So those are the three running backs on this team, and it's really, you know, we can go through ADP and stuff. It's tough. I, I will draft Sanders because he's not going until the seventh round this year, and if you can get a starting running back on a team that late, I'll take the shot on it. Like I said, my opinion, the best O-line in the league. Apparently, Warren Sharp's opinion, second best O-line in the league. Whatever, Warren. I'll talk to you later about that. Um, these running backs have potential to really produce. I mean, Miles Sanders, it, it, fuck, man. Um, his last two years with Doug Peterson was averaging over five yards a carry, but he'd only get fucking eight carries a game. Like, run the ball, Doug. Run the ball. It was astounding. But Miles Sanders, from a talent standpoint, he's super fast. He's got great vision. He can make guys miss at the second level. I really like his talent. He's a former second-round pick, good ca draft capital investment. He's going into a contract year. So, you know, I said a few, you know, negative things about how it might be a committee here or whatever. But really, if you're in the seventh round and you have a chance to get Miles as a, a potential starter for, you know, a top three rushing unit in the NFL, I'd take him. 67th overall ADP, running back 28 off the board. The chances of Miles Sanders returning top 24 value when he's being drafted at 28th at the position, I'll take it. I will definitely take the shot on him. I'm not touching either of these guys. If you guys want, you can get excited about the upside of Kenny Gainwell. I think the argument that I've heard for Gainwell from a lot of guys is just because they're Sanders doubters or Sanders haters, and I just, I'll stick with Sanders for one more year. I will. I'll ride him out. I like his upside. As a seventh-round running back, I like it a lot, actually, because he's got the talent. He just needs the touches. Um, let's not go through, really, much of the statistics with Scott and Gainwell. I mean, if Gainwell's being drafted 151st overall. Scott, 260th overall. Running back 50, running back 80. Uh, neither had exceptional years last year. Um, and the Eagles running backs, uh, 24th schedule. Um, at the running back position. So bottom fourth of the league in terms of difficult schedule there for the running backs. There's really not much to go through with consistency rankings with these guys either because they were all kind of chipping into each other's work and Miles missed a bulk of the season really for fantasy purposes. There's not much to talk about. I mean, Miles finished top 12 once. Scott finished top 12 once. Gainwell finished top 12 twice, and all three of them had a huge bust rate because they were all like, it was like one week Gainwell would get most of the touches, one week Sanders. It was like that. So Sanders busted in 50% of his games. Boston's got 62.5, Gainwell 68.8, and you're going to say, why are you telling me to draft one of these guys in fantasy? I just don't think it's, it's that much of a committee this year. I think Boston Scott doesn't see the field without an injury to Sanders, 
And I just don't see anything really that Kenny Gainwell does that much better than Sanders. Um, yeah, a little bit better in the pass catching game, but Gainwell didn't show that much last year and people seem to want to get excited just because they think Sanders could lose the starting job, I think, which I'll disagree with. So let's keep going. Let's wrap this up. This is going a little long. We're already at 45 minutes, but it is an Eagles episode. A.J. Brown is being drafted 26th overall in fantasy drafts, wide receiver 9. Last year being drafted 23rd at wide receiver 8. Finished wide receiver 32. Only played 13 games, and in a lot of those games he had to exit early with injury. He was really a menace to have on your fantasy team last year because he would like be injured for two weeks, and then reporters would say A.J. Brown is 100% to go this week, and then he would play like 50% of the snaps that week because he wasn't 100%, and it was just really shitty. I'm trying to talk myself into being in on A.J. this year. Um... You can get him like third round in your fantasy drafts, which is typically, you know, where he's gone the last three years. His ADP really hasn't shifted despite the change in situation going from uh, the Titans to the Eagles. And I think, you know, a lot of people are down on AJ because they think of this passing offense not being a good one and they don't really trust Hertz as a quarterback and they don't know how much volume he's going to get. I think you could have made all those arguments in Tennessee and when healthy, AJ Brown was a dominant fantasy receiver. So if you're telling me I can get him as the ninth receiver off the board, uh, man, it's tough. It's tough actually saying it out loud, isn't it? (laughs) Um, There's some guys there that are safer. Like I'd rather have Mike Evans. I'd definitely rather have CD lamb, although he might be going like a full 10 picks ahead of him. Um, it's just, it's where you get into like the Terry McLaurin's and like, who else is going around that ADP? I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but that, that kind of receiver purgatory of like the third round is actually kind of tough this year. I mean, T Higgins is in there. Now, if you're asking me if I'm going to take the wide receiver one on the Eagles or the wide receiver two on the Bengals, I'll take my shot at, at AJ Brown. T. Higgins is a very good player, and I know the Bengals have a great offense, but can we not get too far carried away with the Joe Burrow shit right now? I get it he went to a Super Bowl, but can we pump the brakes a little? This Eagles offense has a has potential to be much better this year than last year with, again, if Hurts takes another step in development and he's got A.J. Brown there as another weapon. I think both these receivers can increase on their value from last year. Devontae Smith is the second one that we'll talk about. Um, Devontae's being drafted 37th overall, excuse me, 37th at his position, at the wide receiver position, overall 85. So you can get him in your ninth round of a 10-man. And I think that's a pretty solid gamble as well. Uh, You know, I think this passing offense is going to be better this year. The Eagles have the seventh easiest strength of schedule at the receiver position and the third easiest at the quarterback position. Again, 24th in running back position. So while we will establish the run with the strength of our offensive line, I think that this is a year where obviously we want to see if Hertz is the guy. We just made a pretty substantial investment at the receiver position. I think Sirianni wants the offense to be more explosive this year. So 
I think that both these guys, I mean, Devontae Smith being drafted as almost a wide receiver 40 is disrespectful. He finished wide receiver 30, uh, excuse me, wide receiver 30 last year. Yeah, there you go, Devontae. Um, played a full 17-game season, even though the whole question coming out of uh, fucking Bama was, can this guy stay healthy? He's too skinny. He's undersized. He's, you know, coming off an injury from the national championship game. Devontae Smith played a full season. He showed that he could block. He showed that he could run routes. He showed that he could make contested catches at the NFL level. I'm not worried about how skinny he is. This guy's the Slim Reaper, and he had a pretty good rookie season. And again, I think the offense is better this year. I don't mind a ninth-round investment in a guy who won the Heisman Trophy two years ago and is on what should be a pretty efficient offense. I kind of like that. So let's talk consistency about the receivers real quick. A.J. Brown finished top 12 in 23% of his games. That was 23rd most consistent. Uh, Devontae Smith, 17.6% of his games as a wide receiver one. That was tied for 34th. Uh, Both of them pretty low rates as a wide receiver two, finishing 13 through 24 on the week. A.J. Brown, 7.7%. Devontae Smith, 11.8%. So that's what, like one game of the season for AJ and two for Devontae. Uh, Both these guys busted at extremely high rates last year. It's not great considering I just told you that I like them both for fantasy a decent amount. Now, if I'm taking one of these guys, I'd rather take Devontae in the ninth than AJ in the early third. Um, I'm comfortable with taking a shot on AJ, man. Like he's a dog and hurts... Hertz is really good friends with both of these guys, and I think that goes a long way. I mean, it can be overvalued at times, especially in the offseason when we have nothing to talk about, but um, Hertz and Brown have trained together before. They tried to recruit each other to play with each other in college. Like, they're actually real-life friends and have been for, like, four years, and A.J. Brown, like, wanted to come play with Hertz, which I think says a lot as well. So I'm in on it. I'm in on it. I think the passing offense could be better this year. I think Hertz can take a step forward. But uh, last year, I mean, it's tough to compare situations. A.J. Brown injured half the time and on a different team, busted 53.8% of the time outside the top 36 receivers. Devontae Smith, 64.7% of the time outside of the top 36 receivers. Those are not good numbers for me, again, endorsing guys for fantasy. But um, I think this year is different, and you have to kind of take last year's results with a grain of salt. Last guy here, Dallas Goddard is the tight end for this team. Uh, believe this is Goddard's fifth year. Want to say fifth? Um, we drafted him in 2018. That's right, right after the Eagles uh, Super Bowl. Um, yeah, obviously we traded away Zach Ertz last year. This is Dallas Goddard's tight end room right now. He's the absolute uh, locked-in starter on the depth chart. He's being drafted uh, end of the eighth round. You know, 79th overall here. Um, 20, uh, excuse me. He's eighth overall at the tight end position being drafted this year. Last year finished eighth overall at the tight end position after being drafted tight end 10. Um, I expect more or less of the same from Goddard this year. Now I talked about how the, I think the offense will improve from a passing standpoint. And certainly I think Goddard, I think Goddard, if he's going to get by, it's going to be on touchdowns. I think he's got a good red zone rapport with Jalen Hurts. Um, but not a favorable schedule as you know, we are, we do have a a good schedule for QBs and receivers, tight ends. Um, our schedule is actually second hardest in the NFL for fantasy purposes. Um, I just don't know if Goddard's going to get enough volume. He's, you know, he's not going too too early, excuse me, in fantasy drafts where it's going to be too much of a risk on an early tight end, but 
I don't know. I think if I'm at that point in the draft and I still don't have a tight end, I'm just going to wait as long as I can and get a guy that's just got like weekly touchdown upside. I mentioned Hunter Henry on the uh, the Patriots episode, and let me flip back over to that worksheet. I mean, Hunter Henry is being drafted as the wide, as the tight end 14. And on a week-in and week-out basis, I think Hunter Henry has a better chance to score a touchdown than Dallas Goddard. And, you know, I usually like to um, kind of sift through, you know, the deeper rankings of tight ends and try and find a breakout guy. I still haven't really figured out who that is for me this year. Early on the season, I thought it could be Goddard. I think the addition of A.J. Brown throws a little smoke on that for me personally. Um, I think you could do worse, but again, I think that, you know, you're going to be hoping for touchdowns from Goddard more than anything else he's a very good blocker by the way and hunter henry is too so i guess similar but goddard's gonna be blocking a lot um also this year i don't know i just think like i said i mean i know i'm only comparing him to one player but if you can get hunter henry like three rounds later and he's just got just as much touchdown upside i think it's a better gamble um goddard finished seventh in points per game at the tight end position last year after playing 15 games he was a top six tight end um 10th most consistently at 26.7 percent of the time he's a top 12 tight end 46.7 percent of the time that was 12th most consistent so again you know finished eighth in uh tight end points seventh in points per game but as far as consistency you know 10th and 12th inside the top six and top 12 um, busted outside the top 24 tight ends in a third of his games, which is a little concerning. Again, low passing volume last year could increase this year. Hopefully this offense scores more this year as well, so possibly higher touchdown upside. Um, not my favorite tight end to target. He's a very good player, though. He was uh, the first tight end off the board in the 2018 draft, and I, I love him. I'm just not sure this offense is like predicated to go through the tight end position as much as fantasy players are hoping for the sake of Goddard. So I think that's going to do it. You know, I did not mention my honorable mentions for this Eagles offense, and we will wrap up with that real quick. Um, in case you're wondering who the backup quarterback is, it's Gardner Minshew, the swaggiest backup in all the land. We did not trade him this offseason, which I thought was weird. The Eagles have a tendency to you know, kind of uh, facilitate and, you know, accrue draft picks through that quarterback room. We, we love trading guys away that we've developed. You know, we'll take a guy in the seventh round, develop into a backup QB and trade him for a fourth rounder two years later. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't trade Minshew considering the quarterback market was so strong this offseason. I thought uh, the Steelers would have been a great fit if they didn't go the Trubisky route. I mean, I'd rather have Minshew than Trubisky straight up anyways, but I guess Pittsburgh didn't feel that way. Um, but Minshew played well in two starts last year. He's a good guy to have as a backup. And then I mentioned wide receivers, Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal earlier in the episode. Jalen Rager's also on the roster, former first round pick. We need to just cut the guy. I don't want him on the team. We also have a slot receiver, Greg Ward, who gets some playing time every now and then won't be fantasy relevant. And then we do run multiple tight end sets. Uh, we have tight end Jake Stoll and tight end Tyree Jackson as the backups to Dallas Goddard. Tyree Jackson, former quarterback at the University of Buffalo. The guy is a giant converted to tight end. We'll see if he can, uh, you know, be a long-term tight end in the NFL. This is only his second year on the team. So you, 
he's a guy I'm watching, but you guys have probably shut this episode off 15 minutes ago because I talk way too much about the Eagles and I'm saying shit that you don't need to know. I appreciate you listening. I'm going to wrap this up. 55 seems good enough for this Eagles preview. Um, always fun to talk birds. Uh, you know, 2022 uh, future NFC East champions, future Super Bowl champions, obviously. But on the real, I like this team to take a step forward. I like Jalen Hurts to shut people up this year, show that he's an NFL quarterback. I like the coaching situation. I think we brought in a lot of talent. And, you know, look at me having nothing nothing bad to say about the Eagles after two years of having nothing good to say about them. It's crazy how that turned around. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with the Washington Commanders breakdown. I'm going to have to really figure out how I'm going to wrap my head around Carson Wentz playing for Washington. I'm also going to have to wrap my head around calling them the Commanders. I don't know. I'll set an over-under on how many times I say Redskins in tomorrow's episode, and we can bet on it. Follow along on the socials at SGRPod. That's going to do it, guys. Thanks for listening. Ramble on.